listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. It's the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16 Season Finale Edition. Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. Uh, and uh, coming up, we're going to chat with Dean Brockman, get the year in review type interview that we uh, we close every season with and we're going to go down the pipeline with nolan stevenson young defense prospect from shonovan craig boschman uh nolan stevenson nice chat with him and uh you know a player that we certainly hope to see at camp this fall yeah he seems like he's really excited about the possibility of playing in the western hockey league um you know a guy who obviously has the the family ties to the organization with his dad being a swift current bronco for uh you know a, a brief time uh, back in the 90s so um, you know, he seems like he's the kind of guy who wants to jump up and make a difference as well, even as a 16-year-old rookie. So uh, looking forward to, um, you know, hopefully seeing him at camp and uh, seeing him in a Broncos jersey next year as well. You know, you look at the the history of NHLers from Shaunavan, and I mean, you got Braden Coburn, you got Sean Van Allen, uh, Cole Lynn just making his NHL debut, and I don't think he'll be the last player with the last name Lynn to play in the show from from that area. It's uh, it, it's just amazing, like Shaunavan, that hockey factory, and you know, Luke Hunter, he was great to the Swift Current Bronco organization, a player from that area from a few years ago, and uh, yeah, it, it, that that hockey hotbed of Shaunavan, and and hopefully the Bronco organization can tap into that also it was nice to uh, to catch up with dean brockman for the uh the year in review chat as well which will be broadcast shortly yeah certainly nice to, to kind of get him uh, out of the hub and then you know him back to his family whatnot and get a chance to kind of get his his thoughts on the season wrap-up um it was obviously a bit of a, a grind there for the two months so i'm sure he's happy to be back home and you know with his wife and uh and his kid as well so um nice to chat with him and uh, get his thoughts on what he saw from uh from ice level over the course of the season yeah, and uh, you know another little bit of news that's uh, that's come out since the last time we recorded a podcast, and that's uh, Brandon Cote moving on at the end of uh, at the end of his contract, uh, joining the U of S program. And uh, well, Coates will be working with a familiar face there, eh? Yeah, just a wonderful opportunity for him. Um, you know, the fact that his his whole family gets to move to Saskatoon and, and be a part of that uh, community there. So, uh, you know, the fact that he knows Mike Babcock from before uh, during his playing days in the Western Hockey League in Spokane. I think he played three years for uh, for Babcock down in Spokane with the Chiefs there, so there was certainly that connection to it. But it wasn't it wasn't just that. Um, you know, Brandon is uh, an incredibly hard worker. Um, you know, would never never seem to take a moment off uh, during his time with the Broncos. Was consistently working, uh, whether it was on the ice for practice or uh, you know off the ice with video stuff with all the players. So uh, a tireless worker and a guy who's got some serious aspirations for a, a lengthy coaching career. So hats off to him. Uh, it was great to get to know him, and uh, I'm really excited for he and his family. Yeah, we had a really good chat with him uh, a while back on Broncos this week about his relationship with Mike Babcock, and I encourage people to, to dig through the archives on SoundCloud and found, find that one. But uh, interesting little bit of history about Mike Babcock. He's got a very prominent scar on his face, and it was actually Brandon that gave it to him. Yeah, he was saying I think it was a face-off drill in practice, and uh, Babcock dropped the puck, and Brandon, I think, goes on his backhand, tried to sweep it back, and the stick came up and caught Mike right in the face. So he's got a nice scar on his face. That's very prominent. And uh, Brandon is the, uh, is the one who gave it to him. 
Yeah, glad there's no ill will there on the part of Mike Babcock that he's still willing to to work with Brando and risk injury going forward. So uh, a neat little story there. If people want to find that, it's in the Broncos This Week archives on our SoundCloud page. Uh, we encourage people to check that out. Uh, that chat with Nolan Stevenson's coming up in a bit. We'll also have a, a convo with Dean Brockman and get his assessment on on the season that was and, uh, and what's next on the agenda in terms of uh, import drafts and bantam drafts and the upcoming season. Uh, one thing that I want to do on uh, on Broncos this week, uh, the team has finalized its award winners, and uh, I want to go through those. Um, I, I think to have some fun with this, we'll, we'll go through it award by award. You you have the list of winners. I, I have the list of awards, but but not the winners. I'll, I'll guess, and and you can drop who the actual award winner is on some of these. That works for me. All right. So so like the most improved. Um, my, my guess for that would be uh, – I'd, I'd go 28. I'd go Sam McGinley. And you would be bang on. Sam McGinley is the winner of the most improved this year. Excellent job. Yeah, and it was, so what do you think it was, you know, just, just watching his play? You got to see him last year when we acquired him from Regina and then into the hub this year. You, you also got to see him off the ice as well. What, what do you think it was that, that gave Ginner the nod there? Yeah, I think just the fact that he kind of played all situations, really. Um, you know, they picked him up last year from Regina – needing help on the back end. There was no doubt that the Broncos were looking for some more, more depth and guys who could play more minutes on defense. And, um, you know, I think for Sam, uh, the fact that he was, you know, certainly thrust into a top four role this year with, with the injuries that the team went through and the fact that he plays all situations too. Um, you know, if you need a guy in the power play, he's going to play some power play minutes and, and help score some goals, but he's also out there on the penalty kill regularly. And he's not a guy who, who's very afraid to block a shot at the best of times. So he takes his, uh, his fair share of punishment, uh, you know, whether it's guys on the forecheck, knocking him down behind the net or blocking shots and all these sorts of things. So, um, you know, Sam is uh, a great defensive player for the Broncos. And I think it was an excellent addition for him or for the team last year to pick him up. And uh, it also helps. And as to the fact that he's uh, such a, a great kid off the ice, he's just such a goofy, easygoing guy. And, uh, a guy that everyone on the team loves. And I think he's uh, found a home here on the back end for the Swift Current Broncos. Yeah. From a, from a media perspective, from, from the work that we do, he's a go-to guy for, for all sorts of projects and a great guy off the ice and, uh, and on it as well. The chairman of the boards award winner, you know, generally someone who plays a, a physical game. And uh, my, my guess on this one is going to be 16. I'm going with Michael Farron. That's a good guess, but the winner this year was Eric Houck, number 12. And, you know, Houker, you, you see him on the penalty kill, you see him blocking shots, and, uh, you know, he, he'll occasionally come up with that big hit as well, and not a guy who's afraid to go into the dirty areas, and, and certainly, you know, a, a fitting recipient of this one, eh? Well, and that's just it. Um, you know, a guy who's willing to, to play that physical game that not everybody is able to, and, um, you know, Eric's not going to not going to go out there and score 30 goals for you, but that's not what you need them on your team for. Right. Um, you know, every team needs guys who are going to kill penalties and battle hard and, and try and protect leads rather than get leads. So, um, you know, I think Eric is a prime example of that. And uh, the fact that like you said, he's willing to go out there and throw the body around. There was uh, the one hit this year. We threw a big reverse hit on Ozzy Weisblatt, which then resulted in a scrap at the end of a period there against Prince Albert. So, um, you know, he's a veteran guy as well, three full seasons with the team and um, you know, sticking with the off the ice, uh, you know, perspective from these guys. He's one of the one of the funnier guys because he's just so monotone. He just has the same level of delivery and everything he ever says. And sometimes he'll just say something when somebody else makes a joke and uh, he'll just kind of add on to it at the end with his monotone voice. And it's just, it's incredibly funny. So uh, he's, uh, he's an outstanding uh, player for the Broncos and a uh, very well deserving winner of the chairman of the boards. 
Right on. Uh, next on the list is the desire and sportsmanship. Uh, I'm just going to, for a few of these looking over my, my go-to prediction on a lot of these is Michael Farron. I'm going to go 16 for desire and sportsmanship. That would also be a great choice as well, but uh, this year's winner is number 29 in Cole Nagy. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, watching what he did on the, uh, on the webcast and everything, I mean, he certainly seems like a guy that would, uh, would fill that role. Yeah, I think he wanted to take a big step forward this year. Um, obviously, it was the second year in the Western League and, um, you know, being traded from the Prince Albert Raiders to the Broncos just after Christmas last year, he was already given a bigger role in the second half of last year. And then it kind of just was elevated almost to that number one center role this year. So it showed on the on the score sheet, you know, he finished um, finished fourth in team scoring with 16 points. And uh, I don't think anybody has uh, more aggressive goal celebrations than Cole Nagy um, when he scored against his former team, Prince Albert, the one game on the power play through a big celebration in the corner. And then the very last game of the year when he tied it up with a minute to go, there was a huge celebration in the corner. So he's a guy who gets it. Uh, he wants to wants to be a difference maker. And he was and also an excellent faceoff guy. I think he finished the year around 56 percent, which is pretty impressive as well. Well, yeah, and, and I think the reason he had the big sellies is because he had some big goals. He was able to, to bury in key situations. So so glad that he got awarded with his name uh, immortalized in the Swift Current Bronco trophy case. Fans most popular. That's one of the awards that uh, will be given out this year. However, we're still voting for that one, and we encourage people to visit scbroncos.com. There's a... Uh, Scroll down if you're on your phone. If you're on your uh, if you're on a desktop, it's on the uh, right side of the screen. So visit our website and make your choice for fans most popular. As far as the most popular player among teammates, I th- this was all done in the hub. I didn't see the players interact much. I won't even venture to guess on on this one. I'll just get you to to drop the winner here. Yeah, Isaac Poulter is the winner for this year, and it's not surprising really. Um, he, you know, speaking of easygoing guys, he's pretty easygoing as well, and then. Sometimes you might think that goalies are are very high strung and and some of them are, but um, you know Isaac doesn't really seem to be like that. Um, nothing really seems to phase him, whether it's off the ice or or even during games when things are going great. He never really seems to get bothered too much. So um, he's a he's a pretty funny guy as well off the ice, always going after guys, especially Andrew the trainer. He's always trying to steal sticks from Andrew and all this kind of stuff. So um, he he keeps the mood light, I think, in the room and and for your. You're starting goalie to do that. It's um, it's pretty impressive to see, and uh, he's also been a great uh, great Bronco for the past couple of seasons. So Poltz, the most popular player among his teammates, uh, the top defenseman award. This would probably have been one of the tougher ones for the the coaches to narrow down. Um, I, I'm almost hesitant to make a guess because I don't want to disrespect uh, any of the non-winners here, but I'm, I'm just going to throw out Owen Williams. You're half right because they did decide to switch or uh, uh, double up the award this year, rather. Um, you know, Owen Williams and Caleb Bullich both getting the nod uh, for this year, and and I think rightly so. Um, you know, I think we we all knew that they were going to play big roles, being being twenty year olds on young teams, a young team like the Broncos, and uh, and these two guys. I don't know what the official number was, but I'm sure these guys were averaging at least twenty six or twenty seven minutes a game out there. Um, you know, whenever it got down to a close game, the team would kind of drop down to four defensemen and, and those two guys, one of them would always be out there uh, at, at that point in time. So um, those two guys were, were key cogs in, in helping the team on the ice. And I think even more so off the ice, really, um, with the way that they kind of helped the young guys along, you know, guys like Brady Bernie or, or uh, Owen Pickering, who played with Williams basically all season long. So the impact that those two guys had off the ice might uh, outweigh what they did on the ice. And, and uh, you know, Owen Williams had a phenomenal season with 15 points and in, in 24 games on the ice as well. So uh, those two guys were great. Uh, obviously, Caleb was, was here last year after that trade from Vancouver. And, um, you know, he's, he's also one of the funnier guys on the team. And 
Um, you know, Owen was just an outstanding addition for the club and, uh, you know, wish nothing but the best of success to those two guys as they move on to the next chapter of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that next chapter, that, that picture is clear as well as, uh, you know, we're still in this pandemic situation, but, uh, but certainly hoping for, uh, for a good place to land for those two young men next year, as they, uh, they certainly bled the Bronco blue this season and, and Caleb over the last two seasons, most sportsmanlike player. I, I think there's like a mathematical algorithm to this one. It's like who, who has the, 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 the best ratio of the most points and fewest penalty minutes. So ch- checking the elite prospects page, I'm, I'm going to go with either uh, I'm going to throw it to Raf Pelche or Carter Stebbings. You got it right on the second half. Carter Stebbings, <laughs> the winner this year, and uh, they're both good guesses for sure. Uh, you know, as you said, uh, Stebbings only had the one penalty this year, uh, as did Rafael Pelche, and um, I think they both played 15 games this year as well. They both missed some time with injury, but um, you know, Stebbings is a winner this year, and um, I think he was. Uh, you know, I think the coaching staff had an idea of of what he could do, and and you know why they why they wanted him to be a part of the Broncos, but. I think it kind of caught them by a little bit of surprise, just the way he was able to, to make an impact on the ice. Um, you know, it was really unfortunate that he missed some time with an injury, um, ended up missing nine games or I think eight games. Cause he, I think he was at the early part of the season was, was a healthy scratch for a game, but um, you know, picked up nine points in 15 games for, for an 18 year old rookie in, in Carter Stebbings and um, you know, kind of found a home with Ward and Farron towards the end of the year. So just a really smart player. Um, he was one of only, I think two players on the team who ended up with a plus, you know, a positive plus minus ratio for this year. So, um, you know, a pretty impressive rookie season for Curtis Stebbings and only took that one penalty. And he almost went the whole season without taking a single penalty, but he got called for tripping in the, uh, in the final game of the year. So just missed the clean sheet, but uh, still a very deserving winner. All right. Carter Stebbings, most sportsmanlike the scholastic achievement award. Of, I, I don't know. <laughs> jo- Josh Philman seems like he'd be good in school. <laughs> the, mullet, the mullet gives it away. No, yeah. I, uh, I, I also like Br- Braden Lewis was the winner for this year, but um, you know, the guys were doing their study hall stuff, uh, I think a couple times a week and, and uh, Brandon would kind of supervise these guys as they're working on their school stuff. So I, I didn't have too much involvement with, uh, with these guys in their schoolwork. Um, I know there was a handful of guys, obviously with how young the team was um, and, and how much, how many of them were still doing schoolwork. So, so Braden was one of those guys and, um, clearly a very strong student as he gets the Scholastic Achievement Award. And uh, the funniest part was Caleb Y. Rostock, who was also high school age to be in grade 12, but he worked over the summer to finish, I think, his schooling. So he didn't have to do any schooling during the hub. And so he was always making fun of the guys who were going off to do schoolwork where he had to just got to go sit in his room and hang out with the rest of the guys. Yeah, he uh, he put his head down and uh, and buried the schoolwork in the offseason. Uh, the, the Coaches Award, again, from a I mean, I was kind of limited to the fan perspective this year being in the hub. So it's, it's tough to judge who would be the, the coach's award winner just based on the, the webcast. So I, I won't even venture to guess to this one. Who, who ended up getting that one? Yeah, it was, uh, it was Y. Rostock who ended up winning it this year. And, um, you know, I think the coach's award is, is maybe one of the more um, prestigious ones to win because I, I think it's one that tells you that the coaches can kind of trust you in all situations, which, which is what Caleb did. Um, you know, he's a guy who coming into the Western Hockey League had a bit of a reputation as a a very difficult player to play against because he was kind of a pest and uh, his penalty minutes throughout his minor hockey days showed that. And he didn't take as many penalties in, in, uh, in the, with the Broncos this year, 13 penalty minutes in 22 games. So, you know, he had said a couple of times when I talked to him that he wanted to cut down on those penalties uh, entering the Western hockey league, because he knows that teams can hurt you more and it means more in the WHO when you take bad penalties. So he certainly wanted to work on that, but he's still not an easy player to play against. Um, there was one game when, against the Raiders. I don't know if it was the first or second game of the season against Prince Albert, but Ozzie Weisblatt was kind of given to someone along the boards and all of a sudden Caleb comes in behind him and gives him a couple of shots to knock him over. And 
that brought everyone else into the into the pile. So he's a, he's a guy who's not afraid to go after anybody, despite not being the biggest guy in the world. And uh, you know the fact that he put up 11 points in 22 games um, was was uh, certainly an added bonus as well. So uh, a late round steal, no question, 197th overall in 2018, and I think he's going to be one of those kind of fan favorites over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. You know, for that age group, the Swift Current Broncos didn't have a ton of depth there. And it's uh, it's amazing to see a ninth round pick pan out. Uh, humanitarian of the year. That's, uh, again, just given the unusual circumstances of the season, you know, there, there wasn't much opportunity for these guys to do much in the community or anything. Uh, th- this would be a tough one to guess. I don't I'm going to throw out someone with the last name Bullich, maybe. Yeah, you know, Aiden Aiden Bullich was very good at his uh, school visit, but the winner this year was uh, was Isaac Poulter and, and he won oh, it last yeah. year, too. And um, you know, it's unfortunate that the team didn't get to do much community work this year because of guys like Isaac Poulter, who genuinely enjoyed doing it so much. Um, you know, last year, whenever I would go down to the the team gym there and write on the board that I needed volunteers for a community event later that week or the following week, um, you know, I'd come back the next day and and Poulter's number one was always there on the board already. So uh, he always volunteered to do them because he honestly liked going out in the community and, and meeting all these kids and fans and that kind of stuff. So uh, he was obviously part of uh, one of the virtual school visits we did. And and he's one of those guys who, you know, asks the kids questions. It's not just him answering the questions from the kids. He's also kind of going back and asking them stuff about, you know, what they, who their favorite players are, all this kind of stuff. So um, he's such a, an outstanding player within the team on the ice, but off the ice as well. He's one of those guys who can make a major impact in the community. And uh, he certainly has done that over his three years here. Well, I know for the next award, I can go to the Michael Farron well, and uh, it'll turn out this time is, uh, you know, he, he, it's a statistic award for top scorer. And, you know, Mike Farron, he was a guy that, uh, that certainly added some offense. Yeah. And he finished off the year with three points in his final game uh, in the WHL three assists against Prince Albert to, to take that top scorers crown with 23 points in 24 games. So, um, you know, what an outstanding 20 year old pickup by, uh, by the Broncos. I think they've, they've done pretty well. They're the 20 year old pickups over the last couple of years with guys like, Hayden Oster and Jackson Kluski and now, um, you know, Michael Farron and Owen Williams. So, um, you know, Farron was a guy that Dean obviously had a lot of history with, with their time in Saskatoon together. And, and those were the two years that, um, you know, Farron had his most offensive productive seasons uh, in Saskatoon as a 16 year old rookie. And then as a 17 year old. So when he came available, I think Dean was more than happy to, to pick him up and add him into the mix. And, you know, as, as the stats show, he was a difference maker for the team on the ice uh, offensive wise with his almost a point per game over the course of the season. And uh, also was just one of the guys who really cared. Uh, he wanted to win every game. Um, you know, it, it wore on him when the team didn't win and he would get frustrated off the ice when they didn't win. So, and that's kind of what you want, right? You want to instill that sort of mentality in your young guys so that they know when they're in a leadership position that they need to act a certain way. And uh, I think he certainly did that. All right. Uh, rookie of the year. Uh, and you know what, there, there were a couple of guys that, that certainly could have made this a conversation, a tough conversation for the coaches, but uh, going to go with Matt Ward on this one. Yeah, I think kind of the, the easy pick, I should say, because there, there were a lot of good guys who, who had a certain you know, uh, great seasons as rookies in the Western Hockey League. But I think Matt Ward was was the strongest of the bunch. And um, you and I were just kind of talking before we started recording here that uh, it's been a long time since a 16 year old player has had that much of an offensive impact on the Broncos. Uh, you know, Dan Lambert was a guy that you mentioned and Kimby Daniels was another one that uh, guys who have had almost point per game efforts as 16 year old rookies. And yes, it was a shortened season and some people call it an exhibition season. Even still, he still put up 22 points in 23 Western hockey league games as a 16 year old. So um, the team, you know, this is a team that desperately needed offense over the past couple of seasons. And he was a welcome 
beacon of offense uh, for this team, 14th overall pick in 2019. And I think he was kind of everything as advertised for this team this past year and a very encouraging sign of uh, what he could bring over the next couple of years. Rookie of the year award winner, Matt Ward. And, and yeah, you know, from a statistical standpoint, he's in pretty good company. Yeah. With the likes of, of Dan Lambert and Kimby Daniels um, leadership and maturity. All right. I can go to the Michael Farrenwell and get this one, right? <laughs> you can. Yes. Uh, like, yeah. like I said, he was a guy who, uh, who just cared a lot. Um, you know, even in practice, he'd start battling, you know, maybe harder than most guys would. And they're just trying to, push his teammates to be better uh you know there was one time I was kind of standing down by the glass at the near the end of a practice and they were doing a an ozone drill and uh he he almost dropped the gloves and fought one of his teammates because he was getting so fired up in this drill so um you know that's a guy who you know you need some of those guys on your team because those are the guys who really care and really want to win and you know you don't have to fight your teammates every practice but I think it, it helps out sometimes to have that kind of desire and intensity Everyone knows the story of the St. Louis Blues in their cup season when they were kind of sputtering along halfway through and had a fight in practice. And then they basically ran the table the rest of the way and won the Stanley Cup. So, um, you know, that's a guy who really made a difference, I think, on the ice with his gameplay and his points production. But uh, I think his attitude and the way he kind of uh, helped the young guys along off the ice is going to be more of what uh, Michael Farron brought to this team. Yep. And then the, the last award, uh, the team MVP, this would have been a tough conversation for the coaches this year, because I think they could have gone uh, a couple different directions. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Poltz as my guess. And you'd be right. Back-to-back MVPs for Isaac Poulter. And, um, you know, a guy who, who, again, it's, he's such, um, such a, a great player and a great kid because he doesn't let things get to him. Um, you know, I think it would be easy for a guy who, plays the way he does and doesn't get the end results that he deserves. I think it would be easy for him to get very frustrated with the whole situation, but um, he seems to take everything in stride. And, you know, you look at the, you know, the statistical results and, you know, he, he doesn't have as many wins as he should because he plays so well. And, you know, if not for him, the team would, you know, would not win nearly as many games and then would be far behind in more games. Uh, you know, it seems a lot of time he keeps his team close for a long time at two to one or three, two or whatever it is. And, uh, the team just can't seem to get that offensive jump to, to get him a win. But um, he's he's been a, an outstanding player for this team the last couple of years. Um, you know, the fact that he sticks in there, sticks right with it, and, and was also taking on that mentorship role for Reed Dick this past season as well kind of adds to it. So um, he's been a great player for the Broncos the last couple of seasons especially, and uh, it was really no different uh, this year in the hub. You know, it's been awesome just seeing Isaac mature over the the past few seasons. He he came in. He was uh, he was a black ace in the 2018 playoff run, where he was under the the tutelage, if you will, of of Stuart Skinner and Joel Hofer. Then being the tandem with Hofer, and then learning from Riley Lamb, and and now you know being able to the guy who who is mentoring the next generation. It's uh, it's cool to kind of see the circle of life, as it were, in in junior hockey as it applies to Isaac Poulter, and and glad that he's been awarded with another uh, team MVP award. All right, coming up on the Broncos This Week podcast, that's our award show edition. Uh, I, I heard the ratings were really down for the Oscars this year. Hopefully that trend doesn't happen with our little award show here podcast. But uh, in any case, we'll, uh, we'll talk prospects in just a moment. We'll go down the pipeline, brought to you by Crescent Point, and, and have a chat with, uh, with Nolan Stevenson, fourth-round pick in the uh, 2020 WHL Bantam draft. Was it 2020 or 2019? It was 2020. It feels like a lifetime ago, but it was 2020, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything just kind of the, the years and different seasons and hubs and everything. But in any event, yeah, that chat with prospect Nolan Stevenson coming up in just a moment. And then we'll have Dean Brockman as our feature guest. This is Broncos This Week, brought to you by Original 16.
It's time to go down the pipeline, presented by Crescent Point. Davies scores a hat trick for Josh Davies. But we take a look at the next generation of Swift Current Broncos. It's time to go down the pipeline, brought to you by Crescent Point. And uh, we have prospect Nolan Stevenson joining us from his home in Shaunavan. Uh, Nolan, how's the uh, Shaunavan quarantine experience treating you? Yeah, it's all right. I mean, not a whole lot to do, but keeping busy, uh, doing what I can. And got a gym here and a shooting set up in my garage. So doing what we can. You uh, started this year in Regina, of course. You were playing for the Pack Canadians. Uh, now, were you in Regina for the whole school year sort of thing, or did you head home back to Shaunavan uh, relatively quickly? Uh, so once kind of the season was officially done, uh, it was about late February, early March, uh, we made the decision to come home. Uh, so we moved home and transferred schools. It was a little bit difficult because Shaunavan's in uh, the semester system and Regina was in the Quint system, but it all worked out in the end and it was a fairly good decision. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that you do have access to a workout facility and, you know, you're able to, to have a, a shooting facility as well. You know, what, what, what kind of things are you doing to keep busy and, and keep active in these uh, unprecedented times? Yeah, I've been trying to go to the gym every day and I have a little gym in my garage. Uh, I've been going there. Uh, and there's the there's a boxing gym here in Shaunavan that I have a membership. I go to, go there with uh, some other friends, some other hockey players. We work out there. Uh, and then I just have a net and some puck board and some pucks and some stick handling tools in the garage and go in there once a day, shoot some pucks. Kind of wanted to ask about your draft day experience, Nolan. Uh, you end up going 67th overall to the Broncos uh, about a year ago now, this time around last year, actually. So just kind of wondering what your draft day experience was like. I mean, were you sitting there refreshing your computer every five seconds or were you trying not to think about it too much? Yeah, we had lots of devices going. One was, oh, we had it on our TV. Uh, and it was behind and then uh, had it on my phone, laptop. Maybe my dad even had it on his phone and keep just refresh, refresh, refresh. Uh, it was it was good, though. I got to see a lot of buddies go before and after me. I, I watched the whole thing. Uh, obviously, Brady Bernie was a swift current pick before me in the first round. Uh, and then Van Eager uh, was a former teammate. He was right after me. So it was, it was good. Took it in with them a little bit, you know, was texting with them. We were all happy and it was a good day. Leading up to the draft, I imagine, uh, you know, what was that experience like? A lot of different teams chatting with you and did, did you kind of have an idea where you were going to go? Yeah, I talked to a few teams. Uh, lots of lots said similar things like talking about uh, the way I play, uh, like this, the season I've had. Uh, I had, I, I kind of had an idea I could go. Obviously, I was talking with my dad, and he's like, if it happens, it happens. Great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, it's just an invite to camp, right? So, uh, and then obviously, my name popped up next to Swift Current, pretty close to a hometown, and it was great. Yeah, I mean, going to Swift Current, I mean, some guys grow up in areas that don't have a Western League team within hours of where they live. And meanwhile, you get drafted by the team that's basically your hometown team. I mean, I don't know this for sure. I'm guessing you went to some Broncos games growing up and you played a year at Bantam in, in Swift Current as well. So to see your name pop up next to the Broncos, it kind of must have been a bit of a surreal moment. Yeah, it was like deja vu almost a little bit. I played both years of Pee Wee uh, and then first year Bantam and it just kind of brought back all those memories. Uh my first year, PBB won the league and won provincials. Uh, just all those memories just flooded back. We're in the, the blue and green, and yeah, it, it was a surreal moment. Like, yeah, 
You know, t- talking about, uh, you know, another Shonovan prospect and Cole Lynn just making his NHL debut. And I, I got to ask, because when you look at it, when you look at kids that have gone on to play in the Western League and the NHL and, you know, Haley Wickenheiser, that's another one, Braden Coburn. Like, what is it about Shonovan that just generates good hockey players? Because it's a community of what, like 2,000, 2,500 people? And it, it seems like an inordinate number of kids that play at highly competitive levels, yeah, I- kids and adults. Obviously, uh, Cole just made his NHL debut. Keiko was playing in the dub this year. Uh, a couple other guys, Jace Beam and Madden Wallace, just signed their AAA uh, letters of intent or player commitments. And I, I don't know what it is, but it's it seems to be a breeding grounds a little bit. And there's lots of positive, obviously, Braden Colburn and Haley Wickenheiser. Uh and maybe it's something with them, uh, but it's just, it's a positive place to be and it, it creates some hockey players. So, yeah. You know, and, sure. and I've had people in the past when I've asked them that question, they just say, Oh, it's because they're from Shonovan. It's a small town and because we're tough. And uh, you know, is, do you play that kind of game? Are you like kind of a hard nosed D guy or, or how would you describe your style? I don't know. I, w- I had like eight penalty minutes last or in my bad Amir and then like zero last year. So I wouldn't say I'm hard nosed, but I like to, I like to try to play, be difficult to play against maybe not as so much in the penalties and hitting stuff like that, but you know, hard to play against in the D zone, tough to get around. Uh, and then I like to jump up in the rush, uh, two way defenseman, uh, good puck mover, stuff like that. What about your dad? Because your dad, Travis Stevenson, played a long time in the Western Hockey League, uh, 240 games. I think 42 of those or so with the Broncos as well. So how much has he had an impact on the way that you've grown as a player? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, uh, he grew up helping out uh, around the minor hockey here. Uh, And then uh, when I moved into Swift, he was still kind of there, like kind of helping me out and stuff like that. He, uh, like he wasn't obvious. He wasn't a coach through my first year Bantam and first year Pee Wee even. Uh, yeah, but he, uh, he was still there guiding me, helping me out like that. And then through the Bantam draft, he was, he was a support system. Uh, right. Like obviously saying, if it happens, it happens great. If it doesn't, it doesn't just an invite to camp, stuff like that. Uh, he was a support system. And then this year in midget and moving away to Notre Dame, like he did it young too. He was 15 when he moved away. Uh, so he's been through it. Uh, so that helps a lot. Just stuff like that. Uh, the hub season for the Swift Current Broncos, did, did you watch a lot of games? And, uh, and what did you take from, uh, from a team that you could very well be playing for in the not-too-distant future? Yeah, I, uh, I didn't watch all of them. Uh, I watched a couple, though. Like, yeah, I watched some. Uh, it was good, obviously. Young team, bright future. Uh, I think that's what everybody, everybody's saying about them. Uh, I've read lots of tweets after two, like what they lack in skill, they made up in hard work, uh, just stuff like that. And then I watched, uh, I think the first game I watched was Brady Bernie's, I watched the first one and then I watched Brady Bernie's debut. Uh, that was good to see. Proud of him. Uh, when it comes to the the future of the team, uh, Nolan, you mentioned you know everyone feels the team has a bright future, and you could be a part of that as well. So when you you know picture yourself playing for the Broncos in the future, you know what kind of role do you want to fill on this team? Yeah, uh, going going. Uh, they do have a very bright future. Uh, I, I can see myself playing the same way I've been playing in Midget and Bantam. Uh, 
you know, two way, two way defender, jumping up in the play, stuff like that, making a difference, you know? What are, uh, what are some of the things that you're going to work on between now and this fall when, when hopefully there's some degree of normalcy and, and maybe yeah. your, uh, your first chance to attend a Western league camp? Yeah. So working on getting bigger, stronger, faster, just, you know, everybody says that, but uh, I've been working out lots and stuff like that, working on the little things, uh, details, obviously a jump from any junior to, or jump from AAA to junior. It's, uh, it's a lot faster and you gotta be, you gotta be dialed in. So your, uh, your details have to be there. You gotta pay attention to little stuff and just, you know, I'm trying to do something every day to get myself better and working towards playing junior. Doing something every day. That's uh, that's a good model to live by. I think we could all incorporate that into our life. Uh, Nolan, it's, uh, it's been inspirational. It's been educational. And uh, thanks a bunch for, uh, for taking some time to chat with us, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. It's the Broncos This Week podcast, season finale edition, and we have uh, head coach and director of hockey operations, Dean Brockman, joining us. Uh, Dean, uh, we'll get to the hockey talk in just a sec here, but uh, first and foremost, uh, any needles go into your arm recently? You got the jab yet? <laughs> yeah, my, I got stuck once. Uh yesterday so that's exciting news uh, for us uh, yeah it's great uh, you know there's uh, the way they had set up uh, you know certainly it was quick and fast and you were out of there and uh, you know we'll find out I guess uh, hopefully everybody uh, else can get it done as quickly as possible well, for sure. I think more needles and arms means a, a better chance that we're watching hockey sooner back in Swift Currents and other WHL rinks. So good on you for getting yours. I got mine on Sunday and uh, young guys like Bosch hopefully are in the not too distant future here. But, uh, you know, Dean, the, the whole hub experience, just kind of generally asking, you know, how how was it for you now that you're uh, now that you're out in a free man again? I think it was really good. I, you know, certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's much like life. It has its ups and downs and, uh, you're, you're balancing, uh, you know, a lot of different, uh, acts as far as, uh, being in the circus at times, but, uh, overall the experience was, it was really good. I think, uh, you always had to remember first and foremost that, uh, this was a great opportunity to keep the game going. And, uh, I think once you reminded yourself, you, you really started to believe and see, you know, through your players and, and your staff that uh, this could be and, and hopefully was once in a lifetime experience. And if you embraced it the right way, um, you know, I, I thought it was was really good. There was a long stretch near the holiday season there where it kind of seemed unlikely that any sort of season was going to happen there. Dean, uh, were you surprised that the season happened, first of all, and also went off uh, relatively without a hitch in the hub the way it did? Well, I think just, you know, Going through the meetings, uh, you know, on a regular basis, you could get the feel that, you know, that the league and, and the governors really wanted to have something. Um, did I expect us to start when it started? I, I wasn't, you know, certain on that, but I did feel like we were going to be doing something at some point, uh, whether it was, you know, the 24 games as promised or whatever it was, uh, you know, certainly uh, members of the league office went you know, through a lot of, you know, details with the provincial governments to make it happen. So, you know, it was greatly appreciated. Then once that, uh, you know, was, you know, as we all know, we got some funding, which was excellent because that allowed us to even, even try this. And, 
yeah, it, it, I mean, it's hard to believe uh, we came from, you know, a summer of, you know, uncertainty to where we finished. So, you know, great on everyone for doing such a great job. Well, and I got to give kudos to, to you and the coaching staff and, and the kids as well, because uh, by the looks and sounds of it, the, the protocols were strict and, you know, no one in, no one out, that hub life living in dorms. And the, the fact that you got that many kids age 16 to 20 to, to buy in at this point of their life. I mean, I, I talked about it last week on our podcast. To, to me, that's nothing short of a miracle that you were able to get through this thing with, with no cases and, and no interruptions. Yeah, you know what, uh, you know, kudos to our players. I think, uh, you know, our, our staff did a phenomenal job of, of making sure that we were on the same page so that we could set the example. I think uh, there wasn't a one time where I had to, you know, remind staff or, or you know, anyone around us. We kind of held each other accountable, which was really kind of cool. And, and, you know, when you're in that kind of a setting, uh, you know, I think everybody – you know, really was of, of caution, you know, knowing that we had to get this through. So, you know, kudos to the players. Sometimes we had to lay it on them pretty thick and, and, and generally have to make sure that they knew what was at stake. And you know what, they, they did a really good job. I, I was really proud of not only our staff, but the players and, you know, and, and really the people around us that made it happen. So, uh, you know, congratulations to everyone. And, uh, you know, I think it was a huge success that way. I think it kind of speaks to the character level of your group as well, because, I mean, I certainly didn't hear any complaints from the players and stuff like that about uh, what they could and couldn't do. So I think you guys really bought in and, uh, you know, big time kudos to them for, for doing that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, they knew what was at stake and, you know, the communication lines throughout the whole, you know, situation of playing, not playing. Um, they realized that this was going to be an opportunity. And if they didn't adhere by it, it was it was going to fall by the wayside. So yeah, really, it was great. And uh, like I said, everybody kind of held each other accountable, um, you know, to that degree. And uh, we wanted to play and we wanted to make sure that it was safe. You know, from, from a hockey perspective, it was a, it was a fun season to watch. Uh, I don't know what expectations were going in as far as wins and losses, but you know, the, the mixture of, of guys, you know, the, the journeyman in the league, like Caleb Bullich and Owen Williams and Michael Farron, you know, some O2s that have been with our program for a while, juxtaposed with the young guys. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a fun few weeks of, of watching hockey, you know, what, what was your take on the season that was? Yeah, no, it, you know, first and foremost, it was a development season. So, you try and balance that out with guys that are trying to, you know, get on with their hockey career and, and step forward with it. So, um, you know, my interpretation, you know, you're still trying to decipher everything that happened. Obviously there was ups and downs, wins and losses, but you know what, there was a lot of exciting times. Uh, you know what, there was a lot of firsts, which is excellent because I think uh, that means that guys, you know, are Western Hockey League players, if they can do what they do, um, so, you know, one day it was pretty exciting on, on a lot of games, uh, you know, we hung right in there and, you know, had chances to win and probably should have won more, maybe potentially games uh, at times. Uh, we did see the development of our younger guys, you know, from the very first day to the, to the last, uh, our older guys had great efforts, uh, you know, all the way through, uh, whether it was with protocols or on the ice or in practice, uh, there was a lot of development, not only as, as a hockey player, but as a person as well. So, you know, I think, you know, when you put all those things into perspective, it was a it was a pretty neat experience, but a successful one as well, because I think, 
you know, going forward, uh, a lot of guys uh, will now know what they have to do to be a regular in the Western League and to be consistent. And, um, you know, you got to factor in some things for next year as far as travel and, and so on and so forth. But uh, all in all, uh, I, I think it was pretty successful. There's certainly more steps to be taken. You mentioned the young guys took a big step this year, and there's more coming in next year as well. But uh, am I right in thinking the optimum level around the team is a lot more higher? Optimism level, rather, is higher than it was maybe a year ago? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the proof is in the pudding, I think, a little bit because, uh, you know, people got to see firsthand, um, you know, or listen, uh, you know, uh, exactly what some of our guys were all about. And, uh you know, when you look at, uh, you know, some of our young players, there was optimism with them and they've kind of developed that group of, you know, togetherness, continuity. And, uh, you know, our older guys got pushed by some of the younger guys to be better players. And, uh, you know, it was them setting the tone at the beginning and maintaining that throughout. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot more optimism and a lot more, you know, I think encouraging signs that, uh, you know, we're going to get better as this thing goes. You know, everything about this pandemic sucks, but uh, was there a bit of a silver lining for the Bronco organization in that there was no U18 this year and you were able to, to bring in those 04 players and, and really see a lot of them and in, in maybe, you know, in a normal year, you wouldn't see them that much? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, if the pandemic was the way it was, uh, I think potentially – or if there was no pandemic, I guess I should put it that way, you know, potentially, you know, I, I guess where I want to start with this is, you know, potentially you always see kind of a, a burnout point with those younger guys. And we never really got to that point. I mean, there was times where they weren't as good, but uh, typically in a regular season, you see, you know, once they've played more games than they did the year before that typically there is a burnout, whether it's uh, you know, 40 between 40 and 50. And, and this year, you know, because of the grind of the, the, you know, you played quite a bit throughout, the, you know, the time frame that you were in the hubs. The only burnout you saw was potentially, you know, exhaustion a little bit and not that mental fatigue. I think everyone still had the effort level where potentially in a regular season, you may lose some of that because of, you know, travel and, you know, the extensive schedule throughout it, uh, you know, what it can cause. So, you know, yeah, you know, pandemic wasn't great for everyone, but I think for for certain individuals, uh, you know, it was definitely a benefit for them. It's off-season mode now. Normally around this time, you'd be getting ready for the WHL draft, which of course has been pushed back to December for this year. So does it feel a little weird to be in May and not getting ready for the draft? Well, uh, you know, how about I tell you that in a couple of weeks? You know, really still a lot of cleanup uh, within the hub. Uh, you know, we're still what we have to prepare for is two drafts in one calendar year. So um, that get, that will get exhausting, um, you know, because the, the, the time frame that you're going to have those drafts, you know, potentially, you know, one draft in December and the next in, in June. So we have to make sure that we're staying on top of that. I, I don't, you know, right now it's going to, you know, we're thinking about the Euro draft, which can will happen in June at the end of June. So, you know, potentially, I think, you know, we can't just let that go by the wayside, Craig. I think, uh, like I said, when you have two draft years in one calendar year, you know, you better make sure that your list is what you think it is. And because you're going to have to, you know, evaluate every individual 
um, to see if they, you know, shall remain a part of the organization. Uh, so, you know what, it's going to be, it'll be busy and we better make sure, and, and we will, um, that we're doing due diligence with, you know, all the players that are potentially to be drafted in both seasons. And, and now is the time to make sure that if you have a list together and, and we do that, we'll be contacting those, those players, you know, for the fall draft, because once they get playing, it's going to be a lot harder to track them down. Yeah. It, it, and, and if they get playing, I mean, that, that's still a variable. Hopefully the world is a little bit more stabilized for this fall, but you know, you talked about that due diligence and research with two draft years coming up. What, what does the due diligence look like in these times right now? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's exactly what we're doing right now. It's, it's Zoom calls and, uh, you know, certainly uh, you want to make sure that you're talking with them, uh, talking with their families uh, to see if Swift Current's an option for them. And if they say yes, then it's proceeding from there with different, different uh, situations. I uh, don't want to unveil all our secrets, but, uh, you know, you certainly want to make sure that their character reference checks out in, in a lot of different directions. Not only do you have to do due diligence for the players, but of course now you have uh, an opening on your coaching staff as well. So we know it's uh, major news and great news for Brandon Cote and his family, but uh, the process in finding a new assistant coach, I'm sure you're being uh, bombarded with emails as we speak. Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, I think now that I've been home for a while too, it's increased a little bit, but uh, you know, we thank Brandon and, you know, his family for being a part of the Swift Current Broncos and, uh, you know, we think that uh, he did a good job with us, and I think that's important. Uh, you know what? I think uh, it, it, it's going to be a difficult procedure to get anything really set in stone because we're not exactly sure when our, our start date will be. We have certain things in place, and, you know, we kind of follow the pandemic in a different way because, uh, you know, as restrictions get uh, lessened maybe or, you know, maybe increased, it'll, it'll give us an indication. Really, the time frame for that is is really difficult because uh, you know people you know that may be not currently working but are working in a different field may have to give notice or or certainly uh, you know situations where you know maybe uh, you know the the entire hockey world is not shut down you know like NHL is still there we still have some junior hockey going on uh, so you know we just have to make sure that the details of that person that we're hiring is going to be in place for when the timing of that is. So, you know, we're working on what we want and what we've seen that uh, could potentially work for us. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be exciting. I think, uh, you know, bringing someone into the fold, bringing someone into that family is important, and we want to make sure that uh, he covers all the things that we want him to cover. Yeah, you know, you're you're going to have the uh, the obvious roster turnover that you do after every year with your three graduating players and and that unenviable task of of narrowing down your 20-year-olds coming up, but uh, you know, in terms of the the youth in the system, there there was a youth movement with a lot of 04s this year. Do you do you anticipate Bronco fans seeing many of those signed 05s in in Bronco colors this fall? Well, that uh, Ryan will depend on their summer. I think uh... You know, obviously some of those players we haven't seen for a while because we were either in the hub or there has been no hockey. So, uh, their spring and summer will indicate whether they can play in the Western Hockey League. Uh, uh, so without tipping my hat, obviously we'd like some to be a part of our lineup next year. Uh, how many will depend on how their summer and spring has gone. Um, so, you know, certainly we want, you know, that next generation to come in with our draft. 
but only if they're ready. We're obviously not going to push the issue if uh, someone feels that they're not going to be in place or, or won't fit in uh, on this particular year. It's no sense uh, rushing that opportunity. However, um, if they can come in uh, to fall camp and be ready and, and push some of our older guys or even some of the younger guys that just went through it, uh, you know, it's an important step. So, you know what? Uh, we'll let that unfold. A lot of the times, uh, those young guys make the decision for you by how they play and how they act and how they respond to, the, to certain things uh, throughout the summer and, and throughout training camp. In the same vein, I think fans can probably expect a bit of a younger team regardless because you've still got all those 05 players who are still going to be just 17 years old. So, uh, you know, in previous years, it's been a bit of an older team and now it's going to be a lot of the younger guys that the fans can get to know for a couple of years. Yeah, that's really re- refreshing just to have those young guys uh, being able to push the older guys. And, uh, and that's the fun part of it, I think. Uh, you're right. It will be young again. And uh, just because, to be honest, the two previous years besides this one, we weren't young at all. We had older players. Uh, we went through a season where we didn't carry a 16-year-old. So, um, you know, in saying that, uh, that's exciting. Uh, you know, you're right. You know, fans and and, uh, you know, people that are have vast interest in the organization will see, you know, another youth injection uh, to what degree that'll be determined by the player. You uh, you touched on the Euro draft coming up and doing the due diligence involved with that and that uh, that import draft coming up at the end of uh, the month of June. How do you approach that this year? Because you, you got two guys that you've never even seen in, in Bronco colors from last year. Yeah, you know what, the U18s has been really good for that, just to kind of grab a handle on that. Uh, I, You know, I think uh, we're, we're just going to have to rely on, you know, all our contacts and everything that we can do to, to create that list. And the list has been started. With regards to, um, you know, the fan support here this season, obviously everyone would have loved to come watch the team play this year, but, uh, you know, they tuned in along the way whether it was on WHL Live or the radio or social media, whatever it was, uh, you know, the team felt the support all the way through. Um, you know, what can you say about the, the support the fans showed from, uh, from back home? Phenomenal and passionate. I think are two words that come into mind when you make that uh, question. Um, you know, we got a lot of uh, people supporting us through text, emails, uh, uh, you know, and, and I think that's important. Uh, you know, we want the community engaged in our organization and our fans and, you know, we gave them a glimmer of what's to come in the future. So, you know, I, I just think uh, the people that, uh, whether they were listening while they were doing their farm work or people that were in town or or people that uh, missed hours of work because we played at four. So, you know, th- those types of things, uh, hearing those stories uh, was excellent. And we really, really appreciate all that support. Uh, you know, I think it, it was important, uh, you know, for us uh, to hear the, you know, the cheers and as well as the booze and, and the frustrations, uh, you know, as well. So th- those are all, those are all very important. And, you know, other people to thank is the people that bought 50, 50 tickets, uh, the people that, uh, you know, were a part of the billeting community that never got players this year, but still supported us. And then of course, our corporate people that uh, continue to amaze me on how they support the organization. So, you know, uh, kudos to everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I think that way it's, uh, it's very encouraging when you hear some of those types of stories. You know, Dean, uh, you know, just as, as we get close to wrapping up this chat here, I know that uh, mm-hmm. in the in the past few years of working with you, you tend to lean towards cautious optimism. But uh, would you say that now in the next few years are going to be an exciting time to be a Swift Current Bronco fan? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of things still have to come to fruition, I think. Uh, but you know what, uh, you know, it's encouraging uh, that we can, you know, everything is on the upswing, I think, as far as I'm concerned. I, you know, we, we have a draft that's coming up where we'll actually have some of our own picks, you know, in the first rounds, uh, which is exciting. Um, you know, I think there's some depth to the organization. I, I know that we still have a lot of work to do in certain areas of, uh, of the team, but I still feel that, uh, you know, we're trending in the right direction. Uh, you know, we hope that everybody, all our players uh, continue to work hard and, and want to be a part of it. I think that's important uh, you know, and I'm still a little bit cautious on things because until players get in that environment where you're in your own dressing room, you're on the grind of the bus trips. Uh, you certainly haven't experienced that yet with your younger crew, but uh, a lot of players have indicated that they're going to be players and that's exciting. Well, Dean, we uh, we thank you for taking the time to uh, to chat with us here and, uh, you know, look forward to seeing you and, uh, and what should be a dynamic young team this fall back at the IPLEX, man. Yeah, I know it's it's very exciting and it's it's great you know it's great to be thank our organization for allowing us to be in that hub and and uh, you know certainly there is some exciting times ahead. Hopefully we can uh, get uh, you know our environment in control and and we can be excited about the fact that there's going to be a fall training camp and all those things come true. You know I think uh, you know certainly we want everyone to stay safe and healthy and uh, appreciate their support. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Wrapping up the season finale of the Broncos This Week podcast, brought to you by Original 16. Uh, yeah, we're ready to, to put a bow tie on the podcast for another season. We will have uh, online content throughout the offseason as well. I know the WHL uh, and CHL import draft is going to be coming up at... Uh, in, in a few weeks time here, but uh, as we get set to wrap things up, you know, we want to shine a spotlight on our three graduating players, um, you know, beginning with a guy who just played so tenaciously in his final 24 games in the Western league, Michael Farron. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we touched on in the award segments, um, uh, such a huge pickup for the team. Uh, Dean Brockman knew him well, knew what he could bring to the team. And, and I think he did that and more for this year. Uh, found a new a new level offensively this season with his 23 points in 24 games and you know was given an A on his jersey for for some of the games because of uh, you know his status status in the league and the amount of times that he's uh, helped out younger guys in the Western Hockey League so um, 249 career games uh, really unfortunate for him that he never actually got a playoff game in his WHL career with uh, last season being uh, cut short and uh, missed that opportunity to play in the Memorial Cup as well but um, just uh, an outstanding WHL career for him and um, certainly wishing for, for the best for Michael Farron in his future. Yeah. Uh, co-winner of our uh, top defenseman award for the season, uh, Owen Williams, you know, uh, a player that, uh, you know, we've had some great luck on the waiver wire and Owen Williams, just uh, another guy that, uh, that we were fortunate to have in blue and green this year. Yeah. I remember when, um, you know, when Dean picked him up, I was kind of talking to him to Dean about him and, and he said, you know, by all accounts, he's a great kid. Um, you know, hockey player aside, he's a great kid and a guy who could really help out the younger guys that were going to be on the team this year. And, and sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Um, you know, I, I think the fact that he was so effective on the ice was kind of a bit of a bonus, to be honest with you. Um, his 15 points in 24 games was the highest career points per game he's had in the Western Hockey League by, you know, more than twice as much as the previous year. So, um, he was an, a very effective player on the ice and just such a, 
such a great guy off the ice, uh, you know, always said thank you and all those sorts of things. So there's those little things that kind of add up over the course of a full season, right? So, um, you know, his, his impact with the younger players, playing with um, Owen Pickering all season long, every game, um, sitting with Brady Bernie for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, basically every game, um, you know, kind of talking with him and helping him get ready for the Western Hockey League. Um, I think Owen Williams' impact on the Swift Grand Broncos is going to be felt for a long, long time. And you love to you love to see and hear that about uh, graduating twenty year olds. And you know another guy, uh, we certainly enjoyed working with him last year in uh, in a much more normal time. Who was uh, who was always great with the community events and uh, and any sort of media type thing that we needed. But uh, man, this pandemic, I uh, it really ticks a guy off that you know we can't have a proper send off for Caleb Bullich. You know a guy who was just a warrior in blue and green. Yeah, I mean, probably over his time with the Broncos, uh, over his you know full season plus uh, games played wise, um, I'm sure he averaged about 30 minutes a game <laughs> for for the team. Um, you know, it seemed like he was out there every second shift. And um, you know, again, one of those guys who you know is not going to put up a ton of points on the on the scoreboard, but that's not what he's there for, right? Um, he's there to to help the team, uh, you know, get get out of defensive situations. So um, you know, he was a great addition to the team. Um, I think. Um, you know, it's, it, it, could, it would have been easy for him to be frustrated with the situation because he went from a great team in Vancouver to a, you know, a rebuilding team in Swift Current, but he, he never seemed to let it, uh, let it bother him. Uh, he kept a positive mindset all the time, knowing that he would get a chance to play as much as he did. And, um, you know, I think he used that to his full advantage and uh, in taking advantage of that ice time and then the opportunity to be basically a number one guy um, over the last year year and a half. So, um, you know, he's also a great guy off the ice. Um, I'm sure it was awesome for him and his family to be able to play with his younger brother, Aiden, for the last year and a half too. So, um, you know, a great, uh, a great WHL career for Caleb Bullich as he finishes with 237 games played in his career. And then obviously came to within one goal of uh, winning that WHL championship in 2019. So I know he was busy doing some schoolwork uh, over the course of the hub and uh, here's hoping that he is able to go and attend uh, some great post-secondary opportunities uh, wherever that may be. Yeah, I'm sure he'll have a few. Uh, best of luck to our graduating 20-year-olds, Michael Farron, Owen Williams, and uh, Kayla Bullich. And wow, that wraps up uh, another season of Broncos This Week podcasting. Uh, an abbreviated season, but, uh, but you know, a fun one. And I certainly think that, that fans have a reason to be optimistic about enjoying some entertaining hockey, you know, hopefully this fall at the Innovation Credit Union IPLEX. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Um, I know it was it was tough sledding for, for the previous two years uh, following the championship. And and that's kind of just the way junior hockey works, right? It's very cyclical. You know, one year you're on top of the world and then the next year you got to spend some time getting back there. So, um, you know, I think the, you know, hopefully the the worst of it is over if you want to look at it that way. Um, there's certainly reasons to be positive about the future of this team. Um, I think the the rookie class that was there for the hub is uh, an incredibly encouraging sign of, of what's to come for this organization. And, and there's only going to be more, um, you know, there's a couple of other 04 born players who could potentially play for the team next year. And, and then you bring in some of the other 2005 uh, draft picks in the 2020 draft. And um, it's just, it's, it's incredibly exciting to see the direction this team is going in now after, you know, kind of just keep your head above water for the previous couple of seasons. So um, there's, there's reasons to be excited and I really hope that it can be full crowds at the Iplex this fall and then they can kind of get a chance to watch these guys up close that I was able to see all season in the hub. And, and hopefully those guys take a, another step forward next year as well. 
Yeah, you know, hopefully we can get back to having those full crowds at the IPlex. It was encouraging to see uh, the government of Saskatchewan kind of announce some some goalposts, if you will, for percentage of the population vaccinated and removing restrictions. And, uh, you know, I'd certainly encourage everybody to go get the jab when they have the opportunity to do so. I got I got my first jab of AstraZeneca flowing through my veins right now, anxious for the second one. And uh, and yeah, hopefully we can get back to to full crowds and all the fun that goes along with uh, with live games at the Innovation Credit Union IPlex. That'll that'll do it for a season of Broncos this week. Uh, a big thank you to Dean Brockman for joining us and, and really breaking things down and, and letting us know why we have some reasons to be excited about the future. And a big shout out as well to Nolan Stevenson for being our crescent point down the pipeline guest. Bosch, anything you want to close with on the year? Uh, just uh, just big thanks to everyone who who tuned in this year. Um, I know there was some excitement about the games being back on uh, on the Eagle 94-1 and you know, certainly hope people enjoyed tuning in. It was uh, such a unique season that for a long time I didn't think was going to get off the ground. Um, you know, I was convinced for a long time that there was going to be no WHL hockey this year and uh, was very relieved and elated when the hub season was announced, knowing that it was going to be a very unique experience and was lucky enough to be allowed into the hub with the team full time to kind of get the full experience. And um, it was just, uh, it was great. Um, you know, I really enjoyed getting a chance to know all these young guys who are going to be here for the next couple of years and, um, you know, the fan feedback on, on social media as well. Um, I know the fans are eager to see them in person again at the IPlex and I'm hoping that, uh, as we mentioned, things are relatively normal for the fall and, and fans can, can come watch the team this year because, um, it is an exciting group of guys to come and watch. So, um, just want to thank the fans again for, for tuning in this year it was, was great to, to catch some Broncos action again, and certainly hoping to see you all back at the IPlex in the fall. Your deep, resonating, Rod Smith-esque voice did sound dynamite in FM stereo this year. It was good. That'll do it for another season of Broncos This Week, brought to you by Original 16. You've been listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16.